You should take it down a notch there, Sabaiku. <laughs> and we're live. And welcome to episode 60 of the Brood Sages, Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader, and with me, as always, are Sabaiku and Thomas. Sabaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. And Thomas, how are you doing? Uh, all right. <laughs> Not even pretty all right. <laughs> You're handsomely all right, Thomas. We are the Brood Sages, easily the second best Stormbound-related podcast in production. And as a reminder, you can always follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter. Or for all of you who can't remember where you put your keys, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. We'll get right to it, folks, because this is what you're here for, let's be honest. Patch notes. August patch notes are out, boys and girls. And we have, of course, some balance changes. So, Mike, you get us started with Eloth. Eloth is going to be nuts, down from 5 mana to 4 mana. Mm. But the strength is down. It used to max out at 10 strength, and now it tops out at 7 strength at level 5. So 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 as you level it up. And the ability is down also, dealing 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 damage. So for 4 mana, you get 7 strength that deals 6 damage. That's... You know, basically like Toad that survives a trade or mm-hmm. Edric mm-hmm. that spawns one token. Uh, so it's about on par with the other legendaries that are four mana. Um, but he still moves across the board. He still pushes something back. You can open with this on your four mana turn to counter mm-hmm. whatever your opponent plays. And if you're going first, you play something on three mana. Your opponent plays two cards. Like You can just play this and... It's going to easily remove any two-mana card in the game unless your opponent happens to play Ice Flakes, which doesn't happen too much. Uh, It's going to just destroy your opponent if they open on three-mana and they don't have anything except Sparkly Kitties to play. You're going to throw this down. It's going to move across the board, give you front, remove their unit. Any any Ironclad deck is going to have a lot of of thinking to do about whether or not they include Eloth or Windmakers or Scrap. There's a lot of good four mana Ironclad cards. Thomas, I kind of feel like this is the way it is, though, with a lot of things. Like, four mana seems to be really crowded in a lot of the uh, uh, factions now, like, you know, Ironclad and Shadowfen and uh, even Winterpack. For sure. Ironclad was especially crowded with uh, Scrap Planners and Windmakers being two very good cards and it's going to be tif- tough, in my opinion, whether you want Eloth or Scrapped Planners. Um, this is essentially early game, just a like two or three movement Scrapped Planners, but then late game can't do any um, sideways defensive work. So I'd put them really on par with each other. I'm really excited for this change. It's huge, huge with the discount. The thing that's crazy is that I see this as a, a massive buff to the card. I'm sure you guys do as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. it, what's so weird is that it's only one mana less and a whopping four strength nerf uh, at level five. And yeah. that seems unheard of. Like most other cards, adding one extra mana, but then giving something four extra strength, we'd be all over like, oh my gosh, that's a huge buff. Or at least I would on its face seem like it's a buff, but... It's actually the other way around. Yeah, the mana. So th- th- there's two thoughts came to mind when when I heard about this. The first is, wow, there's a lot of really good four mana ironclad cards now, and huh, okay, that's like everything else. Uh, and the second was, man, the five mana spot is really 
it, it's got slim pickings now, does it not? Like, what what are we playing for five mana? Uh, Sabaki, what are you playing for five mana right now? Ubis, Loris, yeah. mm-hmm. occasionally yep. Void Surgers, like really very, really? very deck dependent, but okay. uh, occasionally Void Surgers. Uh, I always want to play Harvester, but I never do. Right, yeah. Ubis, Loris. Okay, Thomas, what are you playing? Zuri and Dark Harvest. <laughs> nice but yeah no otherwise it's basically those two cards for the neutral slots mm-hmm. right uh and and as nice as some of the five mana cards are i mean butchers being a finisher in in shadowfen uh aside from aside from that like if you're playing a very very rushy shadowfen deck there's really like you just kind of skip over it you're either playing a neutral five or you're not playing a five at all um question if i am on the fence about playing eloth or either of the other two fours do do either of you think the inclusion of green gale should sway you towards eloth i think it's a bonus but it's not something you use to make your decision green gale is just a standalone solid card and you're either putting it in your deck or not it doesn't necessarily dictate which four mana card i put in i look at it as now i think uh if you're going to be playing a slightly slower or slightly more defensive deck, you're going to want Windmakers because pushing two units uh, can definitely be a little more positive for you there. Okay. If you're playing something a little more on the aggressive side, you're going to want Eloth because it moves across the board in a way that nothing else can, which helps you set up lethal a lot of the time. And because Eloth has just a bigger, chunkier body, which is important. You know, if you look at Windmakers, it probably gets on par with about 12 to 13 strength for playing it. Uh, Eloth is a lot more likely. Like, you don't have to rely on the positioning of your opponent's units. You don't have to try to set up positioning. It's just single target, take it out, or push it back, or both. And uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. Thomas, what do you think? Uh, uh, is is Ironclad starting to get a little sort of packagey, like you play linked with Scrap, then you play Green Gill with Eloth, or or the threes and fours not not tied together? I I think there's um, some tied together with them, but I, I think in general this is just my hypothesis, and I could totally be wrong as the uh, month goes on. Uh, but the aggressive death decks would want Eloth, the mid rangey decks would want Scrap Planners, and the controlly type decks would want Windmakers. Uh, Okay. Again, that's totally just uh, throwing it out there. The one thing I don't like about Eloth that I really like about Windmakers, uh, when you're playing on Healthy Asteria, those mm. Irin opponents uh, just just hate you when you're playing <laughs> Windmakers and Unhealthy. And it feels so good because it's the perfect eight into their base. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on from Eloth, which I well, think I is guess going... Oh, before ahead. we move on, uh, we never talked Let's about it for, for draft at all. We have not talked about it for draft. That oh is a my good gosh! Point. Yeah. Well, yeah, what's uh, wrong with <laughs> draft? It's harder to upgrade, mm-hmm. but it's still just kind of generally useful. I like this a lot for draft. I don't remember what tier we had it originally. I should have actually pulled up the draft guide, but I think this is going to be really good in draft with that massive mana discount. Um, we don't really like Toad that much in draft because that three strength body just isn't significant enough that you get the extra couple points of uh, strength after Toad survives the trade. But Eloth is going to be getting that um, damage every single time, mm-hmm. basically. And yep. you're going to be a lot more likely to move uh, down the board with it. So I- I'm liking this a lot for draft. 
Yeah, I got to tell you, we have Eloth at tier one already and Toad at tier two in our draft guide. Um, I think tier one is probably still about right for Eloth. I draft Eloth a lot, actually, uh, way more than than I thought that I would in the first couple of months of draft. Uh, but it's very, very useful in those early games where value matters more and where he can almost always find an opponent uh, with with low strength, find a unit, an opponent's unit with low strength. Uh, he does tend to fall off as mm. the games go on just because, you know, it, he's hard to upgrade because he's a legendary and the opponent's units start to get stronger and stronger. Um, in the same way that Toad falls off, but it's to your point, Thomas. Toad's a weak body, and it's a, Toad falls off much, much more quickly. Eloth at least remains relevant for the first few games before he starts to go go downhill. And I think that that's probably still the case. I don't think that this nerf really changes how how quickly he falls off. Even though he's got less strength, he's still useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I'd say that he even continues to still um, be viable in those late games as your opponent gets some really strong uh, units to just help keep them at bay a little bit longer with that push ability, um, kind of the same way that you like uh, Temple of uh, Space. <laughs> well, yeah. I do like Temple of Space, that is correct. <laughs> but but also think about it in terms of, so so even at, let's say, level one, let's say you never get to level it up, right? Eloth is a three strength that deals two. How often in draft mode do you see your opponent open with either a single card that is non-moving and on their baseline, just a cheap card that they haven't upgraded yet because it's just something like, you know, you pick something cheap, but you recognize that it's not going to have tons of value late, so you don't upgrade it. I'm thinking something yeah. like... Lawless Herd, or erratic. even like like Mia, because you pick sure, Mia. Sure, right? You pick Mia, Erratic Neglects, anything. Uh, you know, There's a good chance, even in a mid to late round, that Eloth can fly down the board going second, kill what your opponent played on turn one, and sit on their baseline. Because movement is a premium in draft. So the odds that your opponent plays a, 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 a card with movement on turn one is nowhere near as good as it is on ladder. And I'm just thinking, you know, maybe, Eli, well, I mean, okay, so here's what we have for tier zero cards. Uh, Zuri, Broodmother Cordia, High Priestess Claxi. Do we think a four mana Eloth that can open a game and potentially fly down the board and put three health on your opponent's baseline to pressure them, is that tier zero with those three? No. 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 Okay. Yeah. It's very nope. good, but it's, it's good. not tier zero. Yeah. Nope. It, it's good general utility. It's not turning the game in your favor. Okay. Fair enough. Yep. Well, then from there, let's move on to uh, a card that has been in the game since before Sabaiku and I joined, uh, but I've never seen it played. Visions of the Grove. There, there is a bot for the for the. Com- uh, CPU that you can play against that plays Visions of the Grove. It now costs six mana down from eight. So a huge, I don't think we've ever seen a two mana drop. Uh, and Thomas, give me the rest of it. All right. Uh, it gets its movement back up from zero to one. Um, massive strength decrease though from eight, 10, 12, 15 to 18 down to six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. So at level five, that's a whole eight strength uh, reduction. And then additionally, the ability um, is linearized uh, being the same across all levels uh, using three mana as the um, 
that breakpoint for sending damage across the board. Hmm. There's a lot going on with this. There's a <laughs> lot going on. I'm going to start with the last one first. I just love it that they standardized the damage to mana ratio. Like The fact that that changes as the card levels up just makes it so hard to play at lower levels. Like The fact that you can just say, okay, I know exactly what it's going to do. Ensure the strength gets bigger as I level it up, but uh, at least the damage stays consistent. I, I appreciate that so much. Please do that with Ubis. <laughs> three damage across the board <laughs> i don't care what it is just linearize it yeah, to so one damage one down no <laughs> rip <laughs> no this is i um i think this is going to be a, a little bit more play and ranked it's still not going to be uh competitive because that reduction uh from two mana doing the damage to the the three mana um shooting ability pinging ability, whatever you want to call it, um, is, is very significant. You have to have, uh, that would be 18 mana to do four damage, essentially a needle blast, and that gets really significant. So on your normal nine mana turn, when you're casting Gift of the Wise, it's going to do the exact same amount of damage across the board. Um, you do have movement, uh, which, which is significant there, but I, I think overall being used as a finisher it's just not going to quite be there. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to discount the fact that it costs less mana and has movement because in general, those are the two strongest things that Sheepyard can do to make the card playable True, without, yeah. you, without you know, actually changing the ability. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It's, now it's no longer a card that you build around where it has to be the finisher because it's not eight mana at six mana is this something that you can just fit into a deck and get occasional chip damage with yeah fair that's right because i agree with you when 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 the damage it does is less for your excess mana it it doesn't it's not something that you can use to finish the game in the same way but do you need it to is my question probably not but also, it is only 66 mana to OTK with, which, you know, <laughs> I just want to point out, isn't nothing. I've basically gotten there in draft before. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think Sabaiku's right here. It's a 6 mana. To, so it's a 10-1, which used to be uh, uh, 5 mana, uh, you know, with Loris, for example. Uh, um, so it's a little pricey but not by that much the difference of like four to five is huge the difference from five to six is less huge it's still not nothing but it's not huge and yeah you'll see a lot of opponents playing a, a lady rhyme on six mana because that's just what they had to do for their six mana turn it's not sure. and this is 10 strength at level five right yeah like, the same as rhyme yep yeah that's not nothing uh and on top of that it deals no damage uh so so you know that is nothing sure um, but, but as the game progresses if you are able to stall the game out think of it this way how much mana do you get from playing gift of the wise on nine a lot six mana you get six that's two points of damage which means yeah. that you can now no it's not about the damage it's now you can fit this in with a siren or an ulf or those Oof. nine mana cards that you're typically trying to play with gift Oof. oh i didn't think of that Right, you can you can play Gift of the Wise, you can play Visions of the Grove, and yes, you get a ten one, and it's it's okay, it's not great. Yeah, you get a couple of points of chip damage. It's not 
great, but you also have nine mana left to play your big bomb or your old for your siren, either for runner damage or clearing the board to stall the game out again so that you can keep doing this over and over. Uh, somebody's going to have to remind me of this because I was of the impression that Visions of the Grove behaved like Lady Ram does. It consumes the it mana. It does not. It does no, not. It does not consume the <gasps> mana. It just requires that you play it first in order to get the chip damage. That is awesome. Is that how much you have played it and played against it in your entire career? <laughs> I have no idea what it does. Yeah. No. So so normally I get my, my, my CPU opponent to like, all right, I've put lethal on, on your baseline. And then it plays Visions of the Grove for no damage. And then the game's over. That's that's how the CPU be, be Typically, plays. the CPU likes to play Visions of the Grove last, so it doesn't matter how much mana so it doesn't they matter. have. Right, yeah. So, so no, I've never... I've never actually seen Visions of the Grove go off with damage before. Um, I've seen it played by the CPU. That's all I know is that the CPU play. Oh, it's that card that CPU plays. That's cool. It is a legitimately fun card to play. So I'm hoping it does get some play again because it was a lot of fun back when it had movement. Well, now it does again. It doesn't do as much chip damage as it used to, but I think for six mana, it's something that you can just kind of fit into a winter deck that's already trying to make the game go long and it'll still that's work. every winter deck well aside from winter rush like every winter deck wants the game to go long so 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 this is now a viable option for winter yeah and it's not like i don't know like i'm not sure but i i have ideas that i could try to like slot it in there into mm-hmm. as as just kind of a generally generally useful card in the deck okay. but it's not something that i need to play in order to win are you playing this over void surgers ever yeah, absolutely. Void huh. Chargers doesn't hit base. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on from there. Sabaiku, we have Flaming Stream getting a uh, a little buff. What's going on? Uh, Flaming Stream down from five mana to four mana, and the ability deals one less point of damage at every level. So it'll go from three to seven damage as you level it up. That's just kind of okay. I'm Is not it? like... No, it's not. It's not good. I'm over. Let me don't don't overreact to what I said there. <laughs> but it's okay. It's the sort of thing that if you are playing a slower, controlling ironclad deck, maybe one that's doing a lot of chip damage with uh, uh, boomers and overchargers, like you could kind of slot this in instead of an execute or whatever, and it'll be yeah. Maybe you get lucky and you you can engineer a column of units. Maybe you get lucky and your opponent is playing Zuri. I was going to say, this now feels so much like a Zuri hate card. If if all you're running into is, is Zuri Swarm X, you slide this in. You you take out Elov, that went four mana, and you put in Flaming Stream so that you never lose to another Zuri deck. The thing is, is that you're still going to lose to them because all you're doing is reacting to them with a one mana discount. That That's not significant enough to be able to counter Zuri decks. Mm, and that's the reason why I'm, I'm still very unimpressed with this. Because even if they would have kept it the same uh, amount of damage, then this would have just been a slightly worse execution because... You can't target structures, so for that trade-off of not being able to hit structures, um, you can get a, a second unit. Well, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry, because 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 we've had that other spell 
uh, for a while now. Demotivating like, strike. Demo- de- yeah, de- de- demotivating strike. Uh, and I I was under the impression that I had that that like had proved once and for all that the only reason why execution was played was to counter towers. There is no other. You nobody plays it just f- for for unit value. The whole reason for playing execution was was. And that's why no one's playing demotivation strike is because it doesn't do towers and towers is the only reason for execution. Mm-hmm. So in that case, then like flaming stream just whiffs and it still yep. whiffs. Yep. And like if it would have been three mana, I would have actually started wanting to have a legitimate discussion around this card. Well, yeah, because at three mana, it's kind of like a hunter's vengeance with like instead of multi-unit, it's positional. Exactly. Yeah, and that's yep. interesting. It is. Yeah. Yep, but at four mana, uh, uh-uh. four mana is way too expensive. I got Eloth at four mana, man. I'm not exactly. This. Yeah, <laughs> fair you enough. Take yep. One unit, or you could have one unit and uh, seven strength. And right. So realistically, how many how many times does your opponent play more than one unit in the same column? Uh, Zuri. Not not too often, other than Zuri, right? Right. Yep. Zuri. So if they play one unit in a column, you have Eloth. If they play two units in a column you have Windmakers, mm-hmm. which means that you really only want Flaming Stream if they're trying to build three units in a column, and that's... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, if they have not, three units in a column, they have Avian Stalkers, and you probably already won. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean Lost? How can you, how can you counter that? <laughs> I don't know, actually. I've got to tell you, Avian Stalkers, the two times I've seen it played against me on ladder, both times shocked the hell out of me, and I lost the game. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I played into that. I've Ooh. had good drafts with it, actually. Yeah, I know. It's it's one of those cards where you're like, ah, I'll just I'll kill it next turn, and then you realize, oh wait, I just gave you more value when I passed on it last turn. Hmm. Okay, well, I'll kill it now because I have to. Oh dear, this is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thomas, um, you're dirty. Tell. <laughs> you're one of those dirty swarm players. Talk to me about soap cleanse because I think I think you could use a good soap cleanse. This one's actually kind of cool. Okay, so now it, uh, instead of restoring strength, it just straight up gives strength to any of your poisoned units. The reduction um, is two across the board, but if you, on your first turn, uh, on your four mana turn, you play Helio Troopers and Soap Cleanse, you now have a 13 strength vitalized Soap Cleanse. Which seems Really good, Sabaiku. I, I like four mana for a twelve-one that's vitalized. Yeah, it's, you know, it's probably about thirteen strength by the time it gets to the point where your opponent can clear it. Just like we talked about with Eloth for four mana, thirteen strength is a premium, right? That's the new Eloth that's Toad with one hit, that's Edric with one spawn. Like that's that's what you're looking for out of a powerful four mana turn. Now you do need to use two cards to do it. Mm-hmm. which is, you know, a little less likely that you'll have that on your opener, but uh, you'll still be able to to make this work. But it's probably still not worth it. So so look, we, we have often said that Summon Militia is just a misworded card, that the actual card text should be, at the start of your next turn, draw a card. Oh, hey, by the way, also here's a unit on the board randomly. Who cares? Because the reason why you play it is because for one mana you can cycle. Is Soap Cleanse now not quite as good as Summon Militia, but I getting closer? draft Soap Cleanse whenever I see it, unless there is obviously an extremely good rare that it's alongside. Sure. I almost always draft it. 
just for that reason, just to be able to cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm going to leave it at level one, and then I'm going to be able to get back to my level fours and fives faster. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So, so is it not? I don't. It's better, right? It, it's easily better than it was. It is better than it was. Although I kind of, I really liked the restoring health mechanic just because it was unique. Sure. Yep. But um, it was also just just really difficult to use. Uh, like, look, the, the use case for for soap cleanse still the ideal situation is the merging of poison and convert decks where your opponent plays some units and you poison them and they get weaker and then you convert them and then you play soap cleanse to buff them up. And sure. it's still that style still just isn't quite good enough. Um, it's just too hard to get poisoned units to stick on the board. And it's way too much mana to try to poison them and convert them and soap cleanse them all at once. Um, I guess the I, only thing that, that's a good point calling that out. It would be interesting if uh, in the future they uh, created um, common Shadowfen cards that uh, converted poisoned units commons specifically let's not jump the gun on that i can can hear the tea kettle is starting to get ready to boil over here let's just let's just move on from that buddy all right you'll have your you'll have your chance on your soap box not your soap cleanse your soap box okay uh foreshadowing all right so moving on then from soap cleanse uh wait hold on do we do we all agree it's still this kind of not something you generally play with Correct. Yeah. I, I, yep. Yeah, but it's still a tier one card in draft. Draft it. Draft it, but don't upgrade it. Draft it unless it? your rare pool includes siege breakers. Oh, exactly. <laughs> uh, actually, I don't know if that we have it at tier one. Do we have it at tier one? I can see soap cleanse being a tier two, and I'm fine with that as all. Also, is it tier two? I just don't want anybody to accidentally misjudge it, forgetting how we have the the wording. Um, yeah, it is tier two. Tier one. Yeah, it is. It is tier two. Um, but I think it's you could make the argument that it is a tier one card because it gets you to your good cards faster. Well, we'd have to also double check on the Shadowfen rares because there's also clerics with cords. Uh, clerics with cords is tier one, and and I would make the argument that that's possibly tier zero. If I, uh, yeah, I can agree with that. But, but yeah, it needs. Is, well, we're getting off on a tangent here, yeah, but yeah, the, the the clerics need to be upgraded to be good. Yes. At low strength, yes. they're terrible. So that's why they should not be tier one is because if you're going to take it, you are taking it with the knowledge that you have to upgrade it to make it. Tier yeah, that, that's why they're tier one, not zero. Yes. Whereas Siege Breakers are just always good and only get better when you upgrade them. Yep. I'm so confused, but okay. We'll, we'll okay. do that for another day. Uh, okay. Spike uh, Snake Eyes. When you roll Snake Eyes, now it costs four mana instead of five, and the strength is down uh, by two or three across the board. It used to go from six to 12. Now it'll be four, five, six, seven, nine strength. So uh, about on par with Rogue Sheep for strength and no movement and manipulates your hand in a weird way. Uh, I gotta say, like, I like the change because I like Snake Eyes, and in general, it's kind of really hard to use it, especially at five mana. Like, the whole point is that you want to dump your hand and draw fresh stuff, and then hopefully you get stuff you can play along with it. So at four mana, it just costs a little less, and you're more likely to be able to play some other stuff, whatever you're trying to draw into. 
uh, at four mana, you can open the game with Murz on three and then immediately play Snake Eyes the turn after and just try to come around to that token real quick. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun if you can build a deck around that and maybe get a little lucky in your draws. Um, and in the Pirates with the uh, two-speed brawl, this is actually the first thing that I thought of. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Now Snake Eyes isn't going to be charging into my base for 12. It's only going to be charging in for nine. That's so much better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Thomas, what do you think? I think this is pretty nutty at four mana. Uh, would really? you play a Freebooters for... One more mana and four more strength. Yes, but this isn't that. Like it, right. it's not, but you you get net one extra card from this, um, just like you get one net extra card from freebooters. The difference there, though, is that freebooters allows you to do more with your turn. You don't really get more with sneak eyes. Yeah, you do because it refills your hand. Yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. Get, I see what you're saying. I see what you're but, saying. But it doesn't. It doesn't if you've played something, right? Like so. So you can't gift into Snake Eyes. Right. Correct. So so that's a problem because Snake Eyes then becomes only a super late game kind of thing. No, because earlier in the game, um, as we know now, that you don't even have to cycle uh, Gift of the Wise until about five mana turn with to be able to get it back on your nine mana turn. And in the future, um, you can cycle it as late as six or seven mana and still come back to gift by, by nine mana. So that's really all you have to do is just hit it at, at those turns to be able to still do a normal good gift of the wise turn. And then snake eyes is going to be out like on the other half of the deck. Okay. Yeah. But if you're trying to hold on to specific defensive cards, right? right. You want to open the game with snake eyes because it's four mana. It's in your hand. You want to establish some board presence it's going to dump your hunter's vengeance that you were hoping to play next turn. You know, like it's a little, it's a little rough in that situation where you're trying to hold on to some cards, but also you want to cycle. Yeah. I don't know. The, the, the problem that I've had with snake eyes has, has been that I can't find the right deck for it. Well, the obvious issue with it is because it costs five mana without movement. And, and so you just always end up losing because you lose too much uh, board presence. Your opponent just essentially wins next turn because you had zero defensive capabilities every turn that you play it. I mean, I guess, but I play Ubis, which is zero movement for five mana, and I win a lot of the games I play Ubis. Well, <laughs> Ubis bails you out, though. Yeah, he exactly. He's needle blasting everything constantly. Snake so, Eyes doesn't oh. go. Snake Eyes doesn't go to base. That too. But yeah, like free freebooters um, has zero defensive capability, but the fact that its mana cost is so cheap, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and the fact that you're specifically trying to pair it in the same turn as mana acceleration, right? Well, that's the thing is that freebooters can be paired with gift. That's why I think freebooters is as good as it is. Like you don't see it being played in a lot of uh, 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 decks that don't include gift because that mana acceleration is kind of necessary. I'm spending three mana to draw cards, but I better have a card missing already because otherwise I don't draw two. So I need a card missing already before I even play Freebooters. I need mana to get all that stuff out and then to have these cards be relevant, right? The cards that I'm about to draw are irrelevant if I don't have mana to play them. Snake Eyes is kind of in that same boat. Even at four mana, 
right? Like I want to play Murs and then Snake Eyes and get to the token faster. And then I kind of rarely want to see Snake Eyes again because if I've played Murs multiple times, I have multiple tokens. Like I'm going to end up in a situation where I want to play a token out of my hand and then play Snake Eyes and it doesn't draw me anything. But I don't want to play Snake Eyes first because then I dump the token. Well, so the nice thing is that now being mana cost cheaper you can still just play it as a nine strength unit which is perfectly fine if you can dump the rest of your hand normally on a standard turn anyway you don't have to try and hyper cycle through your deck once you've gotten enough tokens those should be doing the work for you anyway hmm, that's, true. I guess, that's true i guess yeah snake eyes before at, at five mana i mean five twelve until recently that was fluffy and fluffy had movement at 512 right mm-hmm. so so anything 512 without movement was just kind of me yeah all right cuz yeah that, i mean that is the trap with this card though is that people just want that cool ability they want that cool cycling effect when in reality what they have in their hand is perfectly acceptable to play for the turn anyway so so you're saying mr akbar that um it's a <laughs> trap yes <laughs> okay uh, I'll give it a shot. I have to say, I I always wanted Snake Eyes to 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 exist in a in a deck, and and it, and now that it's four mana, uh, there's just so little at four mana that's all that strong uh, that I would want to put in a deck anyway, right? Like like I can't think of a four mana card I would ever want to put in a deck, which is. <laughs> <clears throat> Elof. <laughs> uh so so clearly like this is going to be one of the cards that I um I, I try out. Uh, yeah, my biggest issue with with Snake Eyes at 4 is is literally going to be what do I take out to try it out. Um, yeah, so. Eloth is just obviously the most powerful of these of these cards. Like if you have that at level 5, you'll slot it into any ironclad deck and you'll be fine. Like we talked about uh thomas you said you think if it's more aggressive decks where windmakers is more controlly decks and scrapped is more mid-range this is gonna eloth could fit all of those if you have it leveled up this is gonna need a deck specifically built around it i think yep which i'm excited to try out a few months ago when they upgraded uh gold grubbers i really tried that out with a mers deck and it just it wasn't quite there. Like yep. it, it had legs, but it wasn't there. And I think snake eyes could definitely help out with that a little bit. Um, or even I'm wondering if snake eyes in the same deck as um, rogue sheep could be helpful. Uh, there's sometimes where rogue sheep just steals cars that you don't care about at all. And snake eyes can help. <laughs> oh, snake eyes just gets rid of them for you. Yeah. It's the toilet flush. Snake exactly. Eyes. For four mana, flush this toilet. You steal three of their garbage cards, and you don't want to have to burn through your next three turns getting rid of that junk. So there you go. Oh, I like that. Okay. Well, along with the balance changes, we do have a a pair of new cards. uh, And we will talk first about uh, Vavel. Vavel? Vavel? I'm not sure of the pronunciation. Vavel? Vavel? Valve, Vavel. Uh, uh, Thomas, I'm going to let you start with this because my um, my glass is empty. So um, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you about Vavel the Looper, which is a dragon, ancient, uh, hero, uh, which means that it is uh, three unit types, and that's notable. I don't believe we've had a three unit type card in the game before, but I also want to point out that it's, um, I don't know if you've noticed, Thomas, that this is a legendary uh, that part of it might not have, um, uh, you know, 
come up when you were thinking about this card? <sighs> Brutal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We've got a three mana unit um, going from five strength to six, seven, eight, nine as it increases its level. So at, at level five, uh, you've got a whole whopping three mana, um, nine strength movement, uh, but its ability is before moving, teleport to the first empty tile behind. So wherever you play it, it's going to first try to teleport to a empty spot uh, in the same column behind it, and then it'll move far, forward for the turn. So if you play it on your first turn uh, on that uh, first row, it can't obviously move backwards, so it'll just move up one for that turn, but then it's stuck there for the rest of the game. It's just going to keep teleporting to this, er, the spot behind, move it to the same spot. So you are essentially stuck with a slightly stronger Fort of Eponrock, and overall as a card, I'm not happy with it. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, well, you're not happy with it for a specific reason, and we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, there's. I mean, there's there is multiple reasons, but obviously the specific reason being the the, the legendary aspect. But I'm not even happy about it with its overall value as a card in general. And um, I didn't even get into it on the Discord today because I wanted to save it for <laughs> the podcast tonight. Um, when you Go take ahead, a then. Yeah, when you take a look at like what this thing does, strength and everything like that, would you rather play a card that never ever moves for the rest of the game for nine strength, or a card like Lost Psyches that for the same mana cost continues to move your front? This card will never move your front, and for a um, two strength reduction, Lost Psyches is going to continually move you. Now let me let me ask you what do we say about most new cards that have been released in the last few months? They work better with Toad Spam. Mm. <laughs> if you can play this and then you know block up behind it with some with some Reign of Frogs or Azure Hatcher, then it'll continue to advance your front. And that's definitely one way to get around it. You've got like a fifteen percent chance of doing that. First of all. <laughs> Well, it, uh, in Never your early, <laughs> oh yeah, in true. your in your early turns, you have a great chance of doing that. But I agree, like as if it actually moves down the board, it's very unlikely to to continue to happen unless you engineer it. Additionally, another thing I really really dislike about this card, uh, again, besides the fact that it's a uh, legendary, <laughs> is um the fact that if your opponent is playing defensively on the um, the row in front of their baseline row, that normal, that'd be, mm -hmm. I guess, D call or D row, where they're just trying to keep you from being able to send a runner in. Row Vavil, four. Row four. Yes, yeah, sorry. Row four. Thank you. Um, Vavil can never clear one of those units. This is uh, true. Yep. yep. This is true. But, but so I was talking to Spiker about it. And one of the things that I pointed out was that a lot of the dragons uh, require a dragon to already exist on the board to 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 create value, right? So I'm thinking like Sunbeam. I'm thinking um, Ludic. Oh god, Ludic. I'm thinking the four mana one from Swarm. Why am I drawing a three mana one? Dreadful, dreadful keepers. Dreadful, keepers. Yes, yes. Dreadful keepers. Um, these cards need another dragon. Even Spare Dragonling uh, is a useless. Uh, uh, overpriced, you know, one health unit with movement. Unless 
you have another dragon on board. And the one thing that Vavel, Vavel, Vavel rhymes with navel. I don't think I like Vavel. <laughs> I'm going to go with Vavel. Uh, the one thing that Vavel the Looper does that I really like is for three mana, opening with it, gosh, it's really hard to get rid of it, which means it's very likely that you're going to be able to extrapolate the appropriate amount of value from your four, five, or maybe even six mana dragon. Yep, but here's the thing. Because it will never, ever move your front line, and it has the weakness that units have, uh, obviously being it hurt by Witches of the Wild, Crimson Sentry, uh, just all those cards that do way more things to units than just structures. Imagine, oh, wait, no, no, never. <laughs> imagine if all these cards that you just mentioned, Spare Draglings, uh, so on and so forth, Imagine if they perfectly paired with specifically only Fort of Ebon Rock. Would you start playing Fort of Ebon Rock in your deck? If it was nine strength, yeah. If Fort had one extra strength, you would start adding it to your deck. Yeah. It'd, it'd Three be, mana nine strength? It'd be a chonker. Sure. It'd be now, a chonker. Now, the difference is the difference is Fort stays where you put it, and this will move backwards. You know, to your point, Thomas, you can never really play this aggressively, but you're playing a defensive deck and you want to use this to just kind of clear up some room around your baseline. Uh, if you're playing a structure deck, right? Like you can, you can put this down and you can stick a true shot behind it and nobody's going to ever get to that true shot. It's going to be a, a challenge for sure. Well, they can. Uh, I don't know. There, there's applications. They can, because if you played this on, on that turn, it moves to your, second row and then you play true shot behind it this thing can't teleport backwards so it's going to just move up for one and uh unprotect the true shot so sure fort still does it, do better it, it will anchor the the middle of the board for you like if they can't if they can't get to the true shot then you've got the middle of the board and you've got room to operate and you can protect it in subsequent turns if they get to the true shot well now you just got you got a little bit of front there and yeah it'll teleport back but you know there's probably a unit where the true shot used to be so again it's gonna it's gonna give you some room to operate and play defense your opponent never wants to kill it because it's got a ton of strength for the mana cost and because it's right. never really a threat uh it, i think that you could slot it into a, a, a structure kind of deck i think you could slot it into some defensive decks i think you could slot it into like a, a chunk beam style dragon deck that just wants a, a big dragon on board uh, i i don't know i i gotta say i i understand where you're coming from it's very difficult to use and it's going to be really weird but it's really hard to discount just the the absolute beast for the mana cost. I also want to point out that that it still moves after it teleports. So it always uh, goes back to the same spot. Yeah, it usually goes back to the same spot. And so, and if if your opponent puts a unit behind it to force it to jump back, then it's going to clear that unit in all likelihood, right? Because it's this nine health, like it's a big old dragon. Um, just in my experience like Heliotroopers as an example of an overstatted unit. It's, it's got more strength than it should for its mana cost. It's got movement. It's really good. I want to call out a card, the reason, or one of the many reasons why I'm really heavily discounting this card, 
and it was because I got burned extremely bad thinking that um, Ice Flakes was going to be an amazing card because oh, it was yeah. unbelievably overstated. I know. And because it never, ever moved your front, no, it did nothing. That's not why it got bad. The, the 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 season that it came out was also this like the season or the season right after the Giovanna uh, and icicle burst change happened, it, and so even I'm playing then. it. Well, I've played it since then, and it's actually quite good. Uh, the problem was when it first came out, everybody was playing Giovanna, and it was like two mana, eight strength, and then your opponent's like, "Thanks, I'll take four mana," and you're like, "Oh, that sucked." It's, and unfortunately, Giovanna is still highly prevalent in the meta, so you just can't really play it. Like you can't, you can't even try it because it feels like forty percent of my games are against Giovanna decks. Like, well, that's because Wolf Cloaks is really super uh, strong right now, right? So like everyone's playing Wolf Cloaks because uh, they like to win. And if you're going to play a Wolf Cloaks rush deck, then you should be playing Giovanna in it, which means playing Icicle or Ice Flakes is just really not great right now um but i have played it some uh into a lot of swarm and i gotta tell you swarm hates it holy smokes you play into swarm like so if if you are playing a winter rush deck and you are running into a lot of swarm you can play trekking alderman and that will help out a ton but if you really want to go gangbusters against him drop in some ice flakes instead of trekking alderman in that spot they can never remove it it's just this constant annoying like it takes them multiple turns to clear it and when they finally do you're back around to it because your deck is so fast at cycling <laughs> i've had two of them on my second row and my opponent just rage quit <laughs> like it's that annoying sometimes so it's a good card. It is a very good card, but only if your opponent isn't playing Giovanna. And when your opponent's playing Giovanna, it's a dead card. It's it's literally worse, I think, than playing Rain into an opponent who has Butchers. Um, Overall, it's it's still just not there though, because the amount of decks that have value cards that will be able to take advantage of that unit that is just perma stuck there. Um, again, when I was talking about Crimson and Witches, but. Like even then in Swarm, you've got Dark Harvest, and I can't remember anything else off off the top of my head. I know there's other things though, and then Ironclad has like the Windmaker type cards, and and so you're just you're not going to get the the value out of these units when they're really just stuck there forever. Mm. I mean, Spike's not wrong. Your your Ironclad opponent can't ozone Hysteria, not without (laughs) damaging it first. See? Has to be Windmaker's hysteria, and then Windmaker's gonna leave it at two strength. Who cares about that? Yeah, that's fair. But they could just run the Windmakers into the base at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Save themselves a card. <laughs> but I no, like so I I like the card. I I have to disagree with you, Thomas. I I the unpredictable movement is going to be a real challenge, and that's the thing that makes me hedge it. Right. Anything else where I see three mana nine strength, I'm going to immediately give it a thumbs up. This is weird because it's a three mana nine strength that cannot be played aggressively unless I guess you like so thoroughly dominate the board that uh, uh, that (laughs) you can just make a whole column behind it. Um, Maybe maybe a Zuri deck. Right. Like maybe maybe you uh, 
you play Doppelbox behind it, and then you go Zuri over the top of all of it. But uh, I feel like you could kind of put anything in a Zuri deck if you're that far ahead and it's going to win. Mm-hmm. Well, well, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Walk me through the number of cards that are three mana, nine strength, zero movement. None. I just did. Okay, exactly. The... This is strong. <laughs> Ignore the movement. Throw the movement out. Don't care. There are two cards but in the game. You can't that ignore have... the movement. There's two cards in the game that have even more strength and have movement three, for three mana. Faithless Prophets yep. and then Orgon Leechers. Okay, Orgon Leechers is terrible. They can truly play offense, though. Both of those two can yep. truly play offense, though. Yes, yes. And I love Faith. So so, so I love Faithless. I play it in a lot of my decks. And I, w- I, I think it's an underplayed card because it is exceedingly powerful if you understand how to use it. I think this is as well. This ha- Obviously, this has to go in a synergy deck because its main purpose is to be a tower of dragon. That's its goal. Its its purpose in the deck is to be a almost unmovable, almost unremovable. You can't get rid of this thing. You can't even execute it. It's still on the board after you execute it. So if I'm playing a Sunbeam deck and I'm looking for just the cheapest thing I can put out there that buffs my Sunbeam, oh baby, this is in there. I'll play the two on the same turn and put my Sunbeam on the baseline, right? I'll, I'll play this thing on my baseline. So it moves up into the second row to play defense. Then I'll play Sunbeam on your baseline. And baby, we got ourselves a game. Let's go. <laughs> like this is just, it's, its job is to be an unstable build for dragons. It's and not I think unstable, it man. It's a whole fifty percent more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it is, but at least it can play a little bit of defense sometimes. I agree. Like it, the 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 difficulty with getting it to move where you want it to is going to be a challenge. But I think once once you kind of overcome that hurdle, I think it's going to be good. I don't know. I'm just, like, yeah. I, I just I cannot I cannot look at at nine strength for three mana and think. It's gonna be terrible. I think it's that there's gonna be too. a way to use it in the same way. In right. the same way that Oregon leechers, right? There's a way to use it. It's just you don't no, see a ton of experimentation good. with it. No, no, no. you don't good. see a ton of it. You don't see people experimenting with it because you don't see many people willing to put the fusion zones into an epic with a downside like that. Like it's well, it's as an epic, it's expensive. It's difficult to level up. This is even more so as a legendary. So you're never going to see it unranked, and it's going to be it's going to be one of those cards that in a year people have it leveled up and try it out and realize, hey, this is actually pretty solid if you can work with it. The the real problem with Orgone Leechers is that it's not three mana. Like it is, but it isn't. You know what I mean? So it is when you play it tr- last and put it on their baseline. Correct. But then the following turn. So, so the, the big problem that like you have with it is, oh, it's one of my three mana cards. It's not a three mana card. When you're building a deck, do not think of it as a three mana card. It is not a three mana card. It's no, a card it's... to be played on turn six, seven, or eight mana. Yeah, it's a wolf card. So with that, though, okay, so the, the closest card to truly compare this against is Cabin Girls. Cabin Girl gets one sure. more strength, but it's one more mana expensive. What? Uh, yeah. Okay. The, that's the 100% them across the board. Sure. The problem is pirates don't get benefit for being on the board. In fact, playing cabin girls is a mistake because it makes your lucky charmers weaker. Pass on playing lucky charmers <laughs> so it stays in your hand. Dragons want dragons on the board. Pirates want pirates in your hand. 
So every time you play a pirate, you're penalizing yourself. Every time you play a dragon, you're making your opponent have to react. My, my point is, is that if we are comparing a card to Cabin Girls and not a card to Loris or Ubis or something like that, then... What are oh, we it's doing? We're gonna see play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Look. All right. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> look, look, look. Arthas is Arthas is gonna make an amazing chonk beam deck with this, which he will he will bring to Heroes League uh, third place. Uh, and everyone else is gonna be completely confused on how the hell he managed to do it. And there's gonna be some amazing YouTube videos of it, and I'll scratch my head and I'll try to do it, and I'll I'll, I'll win twenty percent of my games trying. Uh, <laughs> It's a cool card. I love it. Do I think I can win with this as like the 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 build around of a deck? No, no. Arthas can. I can't. Would more It'll people be... play it? Sorry, Thomas. I'm going to try to tee you up here. Would more people play it if it were a rare and easier to level up? <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but yes, they would. Yeah, no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, and it would actually be fairly. Um, rarity tiered then at that point then too because like i said the very first card that i compared it against was lost psyches yeah it's more of a faithless prophets to me than a lost psyches that too yeah i, I could be on board with that comparison also which is also um remind me also oh, it's a rare. rare it's a rare it's a rare yeah 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 okay well speaking speaking of rare cards um i i hear that guardy the Lightbringer bringer is is fairly rare uh fairly legendary i believe you mean legendary uh, oh Guardi the Lightbringer is another neutral legendary card, an ancient hero, so two unit types, not three, not even though the art looks like a construct, it's just an ancient hero. Uh, it has sn old Snake Eyes stats. Uh, now that Snake Eyes is down to four mana and the strength is reduced, this is going to fill that hole as a five mana, uh, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve strength with zero movement. Before moving is the ability. Before moving, if there are no enemy units in front, which I assume means the whole column, but might just mean might just mean the one tile in front. Sure. Uh, if there are no enemy units in front, create a zero cost level one, two, three, four, five single use non common temple card and add it to your deck. So like Rogue Sheep creates a card that you can only use one time and then doesn't get shuffled back into your deck. Mm -hmm. This will create a temple for you that costs zero and put it into your deck. And that temple will not be temple of the mind or temple of the heart because those are comments. Thomas, if my opponent plays this, do I want to put a unit in front of it? Or do I want to let him go ahead and <laughs> fill his deck with this crap? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, it depends on your opponent. Um, yeah. If they're playing uh, freebooter style decks, then you obviously do not want to give them those extra cards that they're going to just be able to keep clogging their board with. If they're playing Swarm Rush, then sure, have at it. If you're playing Siege Breakers, I think you can probably let this one go. I'm just trying to imagine, like, which of the non-common temples am I scared of my opponent getting? Temple of Space, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Like, well, look, I, now here's another question, though, right? Like, realistically we we have fun poking uh poking a little bit at the temples because a lot of them are not very good correct but 
How many of them would be good if they cost zero mana? Absolutely, yeah. That is a huge, huge difference. Um, when you're putting, heck, even a zero mana uh, Fort of Ebon Rock, I would totally play that in my deck. Right, zero mana Temple of Time. You could you could find a way to use that. I'm sure zero mana Temple of Space. You can you can move some units around, especially if the copy that comes back to your hand also costs zero mana. Ooh, I, I would have fun with that. Uh, zero mana Temple of Focus, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. No, no, you you you're selling me on the zero mana part. The problem I'm 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 not there on the Temple part. It's, you know, it's it's zero mana strength on the board. Think of it that way. Okay. Right? You don't really care about the ability. You're you're putting something that costs zero and has six, seven, eight strength on the board. Like, that, that's not insignificant. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not like you're going to be able to otherwise dump your hand anyway. Uh, you'll probably get that zero strength or that zero mana on around uh, eight mana, nine mana, and most decks cannot just dump their hand at that mana cost anyway, so it gives you a little bit... (laughs) No deck that is able to play a five mana 12 strength with no movement (laughs) can dump their hand at that point in the game. Yes. That's that's what I'm looking at with this, right? Is I'm thinking about MERS, right? And I'm thinking about how hot and cold MERS can be. MERS can be amazing with a zero mana 10 uh, strength one movement unit uh that that makes up for the huge tempo loss at the beginning of the game but when that doesn't show up until mana eight or nine right because you just you little rolled the way it shuffled the game's over and it feels bad and that's a unit that's a 10 one it has movement it trades 10 strength is more than i think any of the temples have correct Mm -hmm. uh so i only had to pay three for mers mers had no movement now granted this is five for a lot more strength yeah and it can continuously generate temples if your opponent never plays units gosh i would never i would never put a unit for i would let you get every temple possible. <laughs> just like there you go two temples of time and a temple of whatever i don't care good luck like, temples of like, life all day long all day long like i don't know i just like i'm trying to imagine the best case scenario for this right the best case scenario i play this on my baseline my opponent never does anything and my deck is full of temples that's not a best case scenario yeah <laughs> this I, is, if but this look it, when the temples cost zero mana you can come back to guardy more quickly <laughs> <laughs> and then you can get more temples. I do love the name, by the way. Temple Guardians and Guardy Temple. Like, that's fun. That, mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, so maybe... this card needed movement. The fact that it doesn't have movement uh, means that it's literally never going to see any play in rank or in draft. Because we were you were using Murs as the comparison, but a Harvester of Souls is a closer being at the five mana slot. Yeah, sure. if it Harvester moves. could have um, harvested structures, but even then, I would rather have that anyway to be able to harvest a true shot. Yeah, if if this had Harvester stats, if this had new Snake Eyes stats, right, like four mana, nine strength, zero movement, so you could just play it at the start of the game, and it would actually be more likely to get temples into your deck which i'm assuming i'm assuming you want that look i'm putting this in a deck with hearth guards that's what i want to say mm-hmm. because Absolutely. yes zero zero mana building says please play hearth guards yep which well, yeah. that is threatening the fact that it for six mana can do 14 damage is a big deal but 
you're going to be so far behind because you played a 12 strength with zero movement that yeah, you're that's the problem. probably not going to work out too well for you. Yeah, but, exactly. But on top of that, your opponent doesn't actually like the benefit. So, so, so this is a five twelve with zero movement. Um, theoretically it should be a five ten with one movement, right? Like that's harvester. Yeah. But yeah, we made it a five twelve with zero movement because you're getting this benefit and this benefit is a zero mana temple. We'll, we'll, we'll table for the current discussion, whether or not a zero mana temple is actually worth much, but, but even if it's not my opponent, unlike with harvesters or something, doesn't need to kill it to stop it from doing its thing. They just need to throw toad spam in front of it, right? Anything in front of it. And now it doesn't do its thing. I would very highly assume that this is specifically the cell. Yeah, I think so. Right. It's a tile in front of it, not the column in front of it. So let's let's assume it's a tile in front of it. So even if this had movement, like Harvesters, 10-1, you can't use it to attack because then you don't get the ability to trigger unless you're specifically attacking sideways. But that's like, yeah, that's fair. No, that's fair. But unless like this is literally clearing the only opponent's unit off of the board so that next turn you can then move and get a temple you're never reliably getting that temple to your into your deck you're never getting a reliable temple like if you're if you're gunning for a specific temple your best you got is what a one and four to get it like i don't know man yeah another issue with this is um i've heard the saying a lot before in in games in general is that cards that give your opponent a choice are not good cards if every single time you play this you are giving your opponent opponent the choice to decide whether or not they think that zero uh, mana temple would be detrimental to them and giving them that choice is a huge deal because as we've talked about with like siege breakers and things like that that they get to have that decision whether or not they want you to clog up your hand or um, they really can't allow you to have that. All right. Yeah. Here's my question. This card does not put a zero cost temple into your deck. It randomly spawns a temple on the board. When it moves? When it moves. Okay. Is it that much more powerful that it's broken? It shouldn't exist in the game or? No, not at all. Not at all, right? No, yeah, not at all. Because that'd be just like uh, rock workers almost. Or right. old rock workers. <laughs> old rock workers, right. right. Right, so it still doesn't have movement, all right? Your opponent can stop it by sticking something in front of it, okay? But if they don't, it just randomly spawns a what? I don't know, but let's find out. It sounds kind of fun. And then it doesn't interrupt your cycle. Because, like, the one thing that I'm worried about with this is that if I try to play with it, I'm going to interrupt my cycle, and I'm going to interrupt my cycle for what? Well, in theory, you've built a deck that relies on having a zero-cost temple in it. Oh, dear. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you got hearth guards. You got temple guardians. Um, yeah. You have that yeah. cheap ironclad card that buffs all units around structures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fort Tonic. Fort Tonic. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So this lets you get your temple you guardian fourth Fort Tonic combo Cheaper. faster. Right, you need to get you need to have that Temple Guardians Fort Tonic with a zero mana Temple because otherwise it's just unreliable. Right, it's too expensive. Let's let's be honest. Um, I'll try it just for the meme, just so that I can show the Temple Guardian Fort Tonic combo. But I don't know, man. 
No. I, Would you draft it? No. No. Oh. Nope. <laughs> okay. The temples no. in um at level one are absolutely terrible. Yeah, they're all trash tier, especially uh, temple space. Except for temple of space, is what you said. <laughs> we need to go back and edit that out. All right. So, so looking at the cards that Sheepyard has produced, and 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 not just all of them, sort of as a whole, but 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 projecting them over like a timeline, right? As they as they started showing, I'm reminded. Um, so, when I was in middle school, uh, uh, I had to march in the Memorial Day Parade uh, in my middle school band. And every year I was in middle school, I did it. So all four years. And all four years, the speech at the end of it, at the, uh, the, the Veterans Memorial Cemetery in town, was given by the same person. And he opened every single one of those four speeches, and I imagine more than the four that I was at, with the same thing. It's like, I just want the audience to know that I'm operating under this rule that it, as soon as the kids lose focus in what I'm saying, I know I've talked too long. And I just, for whatever reason, it was funny the first year. And then at the second year, I'm like, ha ha ha, it's the same joke as last year. And then, you know, but it stuck with me for whatever reason that like, if you're giving a speech and the younger people in the audience have lost focus, yes, the older people are still paying attention to you, but only because they're being polite. You've really pushed past. And and with that in, idea in mind, I ask both of you: Are these cards getting too verbose? Like, I compare these to to some of the the magic cards that would make me roll my eyes when they like had to reduce the font, right? Like, <laughs> like the font got like three th- three points smaller so that they could fit all of these rules in. You're just like, holy smokes! Okay, how about just like tap to add one mana? That that was that was good. I was there. Uh, these cards are starting to get a little technical, no? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Are we okay with this? I personally don't think that part matters that much because we're playing a mobile game and it does all the things for you um, as long as it doesn't take a year to understand what it's doing. Like If it's kind of like a wall of text, but you can process it right away, um, that's probably fine because there's some things that's honestly do have simple text and it's still like mm, how does that work um <laughs> faithless prof- prophets being a great example of that <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> well it's a new card give them time to figure out what they want to do with it <laughs> but yeah so so that's my um hot take on that part yeah i gotta say i i don't mind a lot of text on the card as long as number one like you said it's easy to parse and to figure out what the card is going to do and number two there's a purpose for all of that um you know i'm assuming freeloader that you're really specifically talking about the text on guardy here before moving okay i got that part if there are no enemy units in front why create a zero cost temple okay Single use, sure, I get that. Non-common, why? And add it to your deck, okay? Like, it's just, it's a lot to take in. Most of it, at least, there's a reason for it. And why is why are there parts that don't have a reason where the limitation seems unnecessary? That's that's my yeah, only I'm, caveat. I'm, I'm also yes. looking at the the latest card that's been introduced to the game uh, this month. Uh, uh, it's um, Awakening of the Will is Awakening uh, of the Will. Uh, it, it's a paragraph. It's a lot to to work through. Um, that's right. Is. Yeah. One more um, comment from mine 
is that it would be that the card is easy to remember. So like if something has a wall of text, but it's easy to remember. Awakening, honestly, once you understand it, it's extremely easy to remember. But something like, um, well, Guardi is going to be take forever to remember specifically all those rules. And uh, not zero. Crap, there was one more that I had in the top of my mind. Quick Fall of the Skies is yes. another one. That's just like, wow, that's a lot of text. And we need to like single out certain types of structures for it. And and I don't know. It just it 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 feels like like Agile Warriors is another one that that that's we're we're getting very complicated with the rules, which is fine. Like at the end of the day, GPR can do whatever they want. And uh it's just that as they start to cut the situations where a card can provide value and the kinds of opponent cards on board that can be affected by that value cards start becoming less and less functional right like at the end like oh in this situation this doesn't do anything oh that's that's a temple i can't use awakening of a quick fall of the sky and less unique Uh, another one the one that i was originally thinking of was uh orgone leechers it has all the things that it does oh yeah and it also freezes the opponent's unit Right, like why? I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Because it doesn't need to do it, it and it's not the main. It. It's not the main thrust of the card. So pare it down so that it just does the thing that it's supposed to do. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I just I I feel like there's still a lot of, for lack of a better phrase, I apologize. Uh, there's still a lot of one sentence effects uh, that have not been introduced in this game. That would be great to have in the game before we get to the four or five like sentence clarification kind of stuff. Um, Yeah, and I will say at least the one thing that I do like is the brawls where you get to play the new cards for free at least really help you understand how the card works and how to use it so even if the text is complicated you get to you get to work with it for at least a few games and understand how to play it and in what situations it is limited uh i'm only uh we're recording this on thursday i have been trying the awakening of the will brawl where awakening is zero mana uh I'm only a few games in and I have seen already at least half of my opponents just misplay it, like play it when there's nothing on board that's viable. So at least like they're learning from it and it doesn't cost any mana and it's uh, like a sandbox environment a little bit. It might cost some gold if they're not learning it during their free games. That's that's true. But that makes them remember it when there's when there's a penalty you learn. When, when there's pain, you know. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm not a, like on face value. I'm not opposed to the game getting more complicated. Um, I feel like the game already is fairly complex. And that's part of the reason why I love it is because it's just it's a more complicated digital card game than most. Um, and I like that part of it. The the, the board is so cool. Um, and the movement aspect of it is so neat and unique. I love that it's but but i feel like that space itself has not been fully explored to the point where we're like all right well now let's start to differentiate between unit types and 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 you know structure types 
we're going to have cards that only target certain kinds of structures. It's like, well, really? Because are we there yet? But at the same time, you know, why not? I guess. Um, speaking of the Brawl Sibaiku, uh, there will be two new Brawl modifiers uh, this coming month so that you can try out these two new legendaries and figure out uh, exactly how to misplay them like I will. <laughs> Um, but on top of that, uh, Thomas, we're actually getting a new brawl. Talk to me about this new brawl. All right. Uh, focus energy. So in this one, uh, all units benefit from additional movement. So if everything, it's basically as if, uh, everything had a temple of focus behind them. So ancients do get to trigger an additional time when they move. I'm still not playing Guardy. <laughs> Wow, what you don't want to <laughs> Temple of Time and I got Temple of Space. Woo! There are gonna be some nutty cards like um Bounded Daemons can get pretty ridiculous pretty fast. Right. So excited big for that sisters, one. Big sisters with the double buff. Oof. Yeah, that'll be good too. But yeah, so uh for when the uh next two cards come out, each one will get this uh focused en- energy brawl mode. Um and you'll obviously just like it with everything else, you'll get that zero mana level one card in your deck, unless you've got it leveled up. So Vevel will come out on August eighteenth and Guardi will be August twenty-fifth. Okay. Uh Along with that, there has been this promise of a Heroes League update to improve matchmaking. That has not happened yet. Look for it in mid-August. Uh, we're hoping that that improves the queue times a little bit, which you know overall ha- seem to be getting a little slower, but I, I can't tell if that's just my personal perception or not. Definitely um, feels like it, yeah. Yeah. Thomas, I'm going to give you this opportunity to talk about something that uh, both Subaiku, I, and I know you, are a little concerned with, which is the sort of, for lack of a better term, imbalance of rarity in the game right now. We, uh, <laughs> commons are not common. Uh, rares are more common than commons. And then uh, we're still adding a lot of high rarity stuff, right? We, we got Reckless Rushers last uh, this current month, and then coming up we have now only two new cards, and both of them being legendary. Um, you do a lot more analysis than either Sabaku or I do in this field, so this is your area of expertise within the Brood Sages. Please uh, uh, take this moment to talk to us about what's going on. Yeah, so... I'm honestly not sure what's going on uh, because in in this year of 2022 um, through the end of August, we'll have had four commons released this year, one rare, so that that portion is normal, eight epics, what, and four legendaries. We've had as many legendaries re- released this year as we've had commons, and two times the amount of epics as we've had commons this year when you sum that up that's not great additionally that's seven thousand fusion stones worth of cards this year well now i don't feel bad about not having all those maxed out (laughs) yeah yeah okay that's it's that's good yeah that's quite the expense yeah it's it's absurd um no normal person can can keep up with that pace and that's not just a a one-time cost that's a permanent addition to everybody's requirements over the course of time and 
we've had almost this exact same situation happen throughout last year. It wasn't quite as bad last year as it's gone this year. And I had already brought this up with like the year in review, or maybe it was the mid-year in review. But if, if this continues to keep up, anybody that starts this game in 20, 2024 or anything like that, they'll just straight up see the requirements in order to get a, a decent collection and be like, eh, I don't want to invest the next five, six years. And that's obviously assuming that the uh, pace slows down at that point in time. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. If this continues with, and last year wasn't quite so bad. I don't have the stats in front of me, so I might just be only remembering the good stuff. But I remember a lot of rares last year, although still quite the healthy amount of epics. Uh, this year we've had, you know, to your point, four new legendaries, and those I, I appreciate them being in the game and all. Um, especially gray, which is one of my favorite cards to play with, but it it really doesn't feel like the new ones coming up next month need to be legendaries. Like those could have been rare and epic and nobody would have batted an eye. Well, what is, so, so at this point, looking at a lot of the rares that have been introduced to the game, for example, versus epics versus legendaries, what defines a legendary card in the game right now? Why is something legendary versus epic? Well, you say right now, I got to tell you, I couldn't tell you why anything was legendary to begin with. Um, I, the, originally, I felt like legendary cards, when they were played for their for, for their value, were sort of game tilting. They, they, If you could play Toad and get good value out of it, you're likely winning that. If you could play Lady Rhyme, you were, you know, and not lose the game as soon as you hit end turn, you were likely winning that game. Uh, if you had a good value Zuri turn, holy smokes. But I feel like less and less that's the case. Like for a lot of these legendaries, I don't know if you get a really, if you get a decent gray turn, have you won the game? No, you put yourself in a better position for sure, but it does sure. not necessarily win you the game. And it's not even like a swing turn because that, no. like to me, that that would have been like the swing turns, like not even like necessarily win you the game, but like those swing turns where you're like going from that losing position to finally stabilized. But there were just other otherwise good general cards that could do that that weren't uh, legendary, like Hunter's Vengeance. But in general, that was generally reserved for legendaries. Um, and that would make sense to me because like when we're playing draft, like that's cool to have like your one or, or like your two legendaries in the deck. And those do feel like those swingy turns. Not so with these new cards. Yeah. A lot of these new legendaries, not just the two from this month, but but a lot of the ones that we've seen lately have been not. I mean, lately week. I pulled the stats uh, if you want to run through them since July of 2020. So since July of 2020, when Sheepyard took over, we have had nine commons released into the game um, in the past. Yeah, I guess that'd be exactly two full years. So nine commons, 15 rares, 11 epics, and seven legendaries. And that's including these two legendaries, right? Correct. Okay. Legendaries are almost as common as commons. Yes. Epics are more common than commons, and rares are more common than commons. Almost well, in the twice. Game right now, 
in the yes. game right now, rares are actually just flat out more common than commons. Yeah, they are by far dominant. Yeah, there are more rares in the card pool than commons, yeah, which is a little a little disconcerting. Now, I will argue for at least vanilla commons being pretty limited. There's a reason like why, right? Like you can't you can only have so many combinations of movement and strength for each mana cost yep. before but you, you get to, before you get to unplayability, right? Yeah. But there could, because there's so many voids, you could have about an extra 20 commons in the game that are flat out vanillas. So, so you're advocating for like a void surge? A void. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. I just, it, it was there. But <laughs> like, like, all right, I, I understand what you're saying there. Like, let's take like a relatively high mana slot, though, like the six mana slot. On one on one end, you have an eighteen o seasick bouncers, right? You could go all the way down to, you know, basically in a six six mana equivalent of Ethereal Eternals, where it's got three movement and like I don't know seven strength or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, exactly. So wouldn't, wouldn't play it, but it would be fine to like have in the pool. And then maybe somebody somewhere would play it, so it's okay. Like as you as you level up your way through silver and gold like maybe you get a bunch of copies of it you're like okay i'll try it out because it's more leveled than my other cards exactly one there's times where a lot of those vanillas are perfectly acceptable acceptable to play during draft um i've actually ended up losing a lot of games against seasick bouncers because that holy moly that's just a lot of stats on a on a card in draft sure and you know something like salty outcasts uh i certainly played for quite a bit before my collection was was fully developed because mm-hmm. it was relatively fast for me to get it uh up to level five and it it does a big chunk of damage so if you don't have you know a tigor or a siren at a high level it, it gets the job done as a closer but yeah so we're talking about all these voids and it's just completely being neglected and we see no signs of of this slowing down or stopping or or changing any direction and it's just pumping in random high rarity cards yeah but are you excited about a bunch of vanillas with just kind of different variations of the same stats like you're not you're not looking at that balance update and saying oh man now i really want to get these 10 cards that's fair, but I'm not a overly excited about a, a, a lot of the rares and epics, and maybe even some of the legendaries that they've introduced. Mm-hmm. Like at the they, end of the day, what what even separates a rare from an epic? Like why is Big Sisters of Growth uh, an epic? Oh, uh, because it basically does what Pan Heralds does. Right. Common. <laughs> why, why why is Reckless Rushers an epic? Because Reckless Rush is epic, that's why. He is epic. Like, <laughs> and, and, you know, at the end of the day, okay, fine. But, like, I don't know. A lot of these cards are uh, interchange, like, to my mind at least, interchangeably. A lot of the legendaries could be epics. A lot of the epics could be rares. A lot of the rares could be commons, I guess. I don't know. I, like, I, I appreciate the idea that you want to introduce a lot of new mechanics and a lot of new um, cards with abilities. And, and and I appreciate the knee-jerk reaction that, well, cards with abilities should be less common than the vanillas, because they probably should. But if that's the case, then there's a lot of rares that, or there's a lot of commons that should be rares. And then the word common should probably be taken out to be something more like basic, right? Yeah. Like, like rare is the common, and then, and then common's the basic. 
Mm-hmm. And look, not to get all capitalist here, but I certainly understand wanting to put cards of higher rarity in the game to encourage people to spend more, to give people something to strive for, to keep them playing. Uh, there, there's certainly a lot of reasons for that. And especially if the higher rarity cards have abilities that are useful or interesting, then then that does make sense and it's worth it. But I, I certainly I don't look at Guardy the Lightbringer and think to yourself, yeah. The the real issue, though, um, like, yes, I did get that everyone, obviously, everyone that's working and creating content needs to be able to be paid. The issue is the long-term ramifications of something like this. I, if someone like myself and probably you guys literally cannot keep up with this kind of pace, and we couldn't even if we're doing the normal uh, premium pass, then that means and we're already basically at the end game, then that means basically nobody else can, and it's going to really, really quickly put a halt on the influx of new players coming into that game, into the game. Because like I said, it's when somebody quick realizes just the the amount of work that it's going to take to get to that end game, they just abandon ship because the earlier that someone makes that decision, or before someone has invested too much time, they are more likely to abandon ship earlier because they haven't invested the time. And this is 100% where my concern is coming from and why I want to speak my opinion on this. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I appreciate it. I got to tell you, I don't think that introducing a bunch of commons without abilities really helps that, though. Like, no. it, That's it, all that all that does is just make somebody look at the overall collection and say, oh, I have... 350 cards to level up i'm just never gonna get there and you know they don't last past the first week so that doesn't help anything either um i I really like it when every card has a purpose um when every card unique fills a unique slot and that's really hard to do it is but it's something to certainly strive for um and that's why i i can't say that i mind even when even when a legendary comes out with a ability that is maybe not the most useful, and I'm not speaking about any particular legendary that creates zero cost temples. <laughs> uh, at least I appreciate that they're adding something new and unique into the game. And maybe I'll be able to find a situation for it down the road. Um Maybe I'll take it as a personal deck building challenge to use it, but, but it well, doesn't. Okay. But it doesn't have to be legendary. Exactly, because I was just going to continue that train. So it's like, all right. So if people aren't going to be excited about commons and they they do want the legendaries, <clears throat> when legendaries and epics become the norm, people quit being interested in them. So instead of the influx of two new legendaries instantly, why wasn't it or why isn't it? going forward one legendary and one common or one rare or two commons or something like that make sure it can still be timber alchemist right like timber alchemist is an epic but its effect at the end of the day is similar to sharp fist right based on something that's going on on the board get a giant buff okay what why is why is sharp fist ogre a rare versus timber alchemist an epic 
you know, I don't know. They, they feel similar to me. Like one's got a very different mana cost than the other. Okay. But like their effect at the end of the day is mm, pretty similar to each other. Uh, one I've got more control over than the other, uh, which I guess is nice. But would I consider that more of an epic card then because of it? No, definitely not. Yeah. It's, I got an idea. Mm-hmm. We're going to be, I'm going to say this right now, uh, throw, maybe this might throw you guys for a loop, but this could be kind of fun. Do it, over, do the, it. over the next three months, I am not going to look at the balance changes before our um, podcast and you guys read off the card to me without telling me the rarity <laughs> and I Gosh. guess what rarity that card is. Love it. I love this. Oh my gosh, this is going to be fantastic. Can we at least send you the ability of the card ahead of time so no, that you no, can... No, 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 we no. We give him nothing. No, nothing. he's got to be able to talk about the new cards, though. I've got news for you, Spiku. I don't think Thomas is actually checking out much before he reads the show notes anyway. What? It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> he's always no, so... Pro- no, I don't. He's always so professional. I, I, I literally... If if you hadn't called me before I mowed the lawn to, to give me some info, I had zero info before we opened the show notes to start this episode. Um, I've just been that busy. I, like, it's been a really rough, rough couple of months for me, and I apologize. Like, I'm not putting my best foot forward, but I'm putting what I'm putting my epic foot forward, which is fairly common at this point. <laughs> but But nobody expects you to be professional. Well, that's good. <laughs> Because that would be rare. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I could do this. Two and one. That's it. And now we're done. Okay, we're going to move on from that. Um, before we move, well, actually, I'll say that's going to end the main portion of this episode, which means it's time for me to remind you, please contact us, preferably on our channel. Uh, on the Stormbound Discord server. You can always find us on Twitter at Broodsages. Email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. I'll be honest, leave a message in any of our, our posts or whatever. We just want to hear from you guys. Um, uh, and before we move any further, I need to give a huge shout out to Mock. Um, he is working on something quite epic. And uh, uh, Thomas, you haven't gotten to be part of it yet. Uh, because uh, you were away on vacation uh, when he uh, showed us what he was working on. So Baiku and I had a call with him. uh, And the takeaway from that call was, this is actually really interesting. It would make for a wonderful episode of the Brood Sages. Uh, So we want to invite Mock to come on, Thomas, and show us what he's got going on and uh, sort of debate and discuss it in real time rather than trying to prep and, and help him and like, you know, edit his document that he's working. I don't want to give too much information away, not only because I don't want to let our listeners know what's going on, but also because I don't want to give Thomas too much of an idea because the, the knee-jerk reactions, I think, are what make it very interesting. So we are going to do an episode. We're going to make it a commitment. Uh, uh, we're making an episode in August with Mock. Uh, we should also make an episode sometime soon with uh, MKM. We called him out on it, <laughs> and then we didn't follow up. <laughs> That's on us, I guess. Uh, so uh, beyond that, we did get some wonderful feedback from 
some of our fans. Astro said it's 3.16 a.m. here, but who needs sleep when I have a new episode of The Brood Sages to listen to? And Dragonstar 5674, or is it 5674, or is it 5674? I'm not quite sure. I apologize if I've mispronounced your name, Dragonstar. Uh, but they said super fun episode, insightful as always, and the rock workers section made me laugh. Can't wait for the next one. Well, sorry you had to wait so long, but we at least came back. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. For Sabaiku and Thomas, I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages, reminding you to stay hydrated. <laughs>